Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny. You're gonna need a bigger boat. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! Be afraid. Be very afraid. Sometimes, that is better. Hello. Do you want to play a game? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Screaming Cinema Podcast. We are a horror-centric podcast that focuses on new releases uh, in theaters, Blu-rays, streaming, uh, everything in between. Uh, We are horror lovers at heart and uh, excited to be uh, back on the airwaves uh, and and, uh, talking about a few uh, recent new releases for you guys. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Tyler, and I am always joined by my other co-host, Max. Max, how you doing? Hey, doing well. Excited to, like you said, get back on the airwaves here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot, uh, a lot still happening in the world. Um, not, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's all in how you look at it. A lot of stuff yeah. is happening, but uh, a lot of stuff is also not happening. But uh, yeah, we're still. Uh, still in the uh, quarantine phase of, of all this and uh, trying to uh, <laughs> not have cabin fever, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, been watching a lot of movies recently and uh, just trying to stay sane. How about you? Yeah, same thing. It's a uh, usual kind of divided country. You have people thinking either open up fast or we're opening up too slow or too fast. So we're going to have to close back down again. So at this point, I'm just planning on being working from home until uh, end of June and anything before then I'll be happy and just pray there's not a second wave of, uh, um, you know, this when, when flu season hits, so we have to do this all over again because I don't know how long I can do this. I think I think my biggest fear in the world right now is having to yeah like once this is all said and done, us go back to normal life and have to redo it in the next three or four or five months, however long it is. That would just uh, I don't know if I could take that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be hard to get back to work too. I'm used to like waking up you know right before I have to start work now. Just you know putting on whatever, getting presentable if you have a video or conference call. But it's going to be a uh, tough to get the get in traffic again, get that commute down again. Every haircutter is going to be crazy busy. Every movie theater is going to be everything that everyone's been missing is going to be packed. So should be interesting to see how they do things with social distancing and customers and all that good stuff. Absolutely. I've been staying up till two or three in the morning every night watching movies. So I, I, I know that's uh, a, <laughs> that's not going to last very much longer. So I better enjoy it while I can, but uh, yeah, not, not a ton of new news uh, in the film world. Uh, just, uh, I think a lot of studios and just you know companies that are involved in the entertainment industry in general are just kind of scrambling with what to do at this point. Um, I know that a lot of movies have you know been trying to you know get you know get new releases on the board, um, and I know that you know there are companies that are in a little bit of trouble. Uh, AMC theaters. Uh, just recently uh, filed for bankruptcy, I believe. And they, I, I think, were one of the top three uh, theater chains in the in the nation. So uh, some some pretty, you know, serious stuff when one of the big guys is is hurting financially. Um, yeah, I, I, I know that, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when the theater is open again, you know, I'll I'll bring my Lysol wipes. I'll wipe down my seat and uh I will brave it to uh, to watch some more films. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Keep keep supporting them. You know, keep the doors open. I'm sure they'll do something on the um, online reserving app where you can't reserve seats within one or two seats of people to kind of keep things like that from uh, from getting too close and trying to keep the social distancing rules. But yeah, I'm excited. I think it's crazy to see with the studios because I feel like the release date jockeying is like such an art form to them. They plan everything and to have it screwed up like this where everything's going to get dropped at the exact same time in fall 
is it's just, you know, do we put something in July or August on the books or is are we still going to be uh, in shelter in place in that point? And then you have to move it again to a worse time or you just pick something like, you know, late September, November. We never really know. So it's curious to see which studios have set release dates for films, which are still out there. I don't think the quiet place has uh, quiet place two has a release date yet, but I saw Candyman's going to be late September. So just kind of curious to see how it all plays out or, what goes to VOD and kind of, I don't know, see what we can see, try to get any new movies out there. So I'm excited this week. We have two newish releases. Uh, one is going to be a streaming release from Netflix and the other one is still physical release, but most of us are probably renting digitally right now, unless you're going out to Walmart or target for groceries. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, before we dive into our subject at hand, uh, I guess we'll just talk about uh, what we've been watching recently um, and just kind of uh, what's what's been on the wire. Um, <laughs> I know that we kind of hinted at it uh, last episode that, uh, you know, me and you both have have young daughters and uh, I know a huge release uh, that was much anticipated and apparently did really well uh, for the streaming numbers. Uh, Trolls World Tour uh, was released um about a week ago and um yeah it it, it made over 50 million dollars uh in its opening weekend uh streaming which uh is i think probably the most successful streaming film to you know to date um and i knew that it would be successful i just didn't know that it would be uh to that extent but uh yeah um me and my family watched it um you know <laughs> i mean it's a it's a just a zany kids movie, you know. I I don't know what more you can say about it other than you know it it it's definitely fun. Has some fun music. Has some fun uh, story. But uh, yeah, my daughter loved it, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some some more family friendly films that are released so uh, you know we can get that quarantine bonding time going. Yeah, yeah, fifty millions a ton. I'm sure it's got to be the the biggest release for on demand. And I'm curious to see how other numbers stack up for films that come out. I know. Uh, Disney Plus is releasing Artemis Fowl on uh, Disney or on Disney Plus streaming service um, coming up in June here, and I think I heard that Scooby Doo is going to go straight to uh, VOD as well. So there's a couple other options, but yeah, we watched it as well. It's a you know fun, bright singing kids movie. My daughter was not even paying attention; she's kind of just like <laughs> dancing around, bouncing around. Uh, lots of music, but was interesting and fun and we watched it twice because we paid twenty dollars for it so i figured to get our money's worth we watched it the next morning as well and she sat down a little bit better so always a win there yeah for sure um i mean just speaking personally i i kind of dug the first movie a little better I, I i think the concept of like music and you know like like all the different types of trolls and music like i i feel like that kind of kid genre is a little played out but that's just me. Um, yeah, know. I'm the same way. The troll story, I think, was better. The stuff of the Bergens is good, but we're a horror movie podcast, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we aren't going to spend uh, a whole episode talking about trolls, so uh, we'll 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 move on because I know that's not what you uh, came to listen to. Um, something else that uh, I watched last weekend uh, that's also not in the world of horror, but uh, I know you've got some sports fans out there as well that love their horror. The Last Dance documentary that uh, premiered on ESPN last Sunday. Um, and for those of you who, who don't know, it's a 10-part uh, series about uh, the 1990 Chicago Bulls, uh, most notably uh, Michael Jordan and you know Scottie Pippen. And for any sports fan, uh, especially an NBA fan, this is just an absolute must-watch. Um, you know, I I know a, a few ins and outs um, about that team and just uh, about you know the NBA in the 90s. But and yeah, this documentary dives. Uh, a lot into the uh, team chemistry and uh, also some of the, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, arguments and stuff that was going on between, you know, the players and, you know, some of the Bulls, you know, higher ups. So it's really a fascinating look into, you know, pretty much the most dominant team um, in sports, you know, arguably ever. So um, I really enjoyed the first two episodes and I'm looking forward uh, to the next few. Did you get a chance to watch The Last Dance? Yeah, yeah, I saw it too, and I could have sat down and watched all 10 episodes, I think. I was so into it. 
um, second one was on and it finished and I was like, ah, oh, that was two hours already. It flew by. So I'm excited. I like how they do it. They kind of bounce back and forth with, they'll pick up a player. So we get kind of history present day, uh, when documentary started filming, which funnily enough was, um, the crew came on the, uh, was it 97, 98 season? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So they started then and they filmed with the bulls all year and nothing had happened since then. And I think they're waiting on Michael Jordan to green light the release of it. And all these years later, he decides to now. And I'm happy because I know there's a ton of kids growing up that didn't get to see MJ. And even myself, you know, the LeBron MJ debate, who's better. It's fun to see how good he actually was in some of those games, putting up, you know, 40, 50 uh, points in playoff games when he's 22 years old. So definitely exciting. I'm looking forward to it every Sunday. I think for sports fans, it's like a Super Bowl right now compared with what else we have to watch. They're just they're just trying to do anything they can. I saw the 2017 NFL draft was on last night. I'm like, there's just nothing to watch. At least the draft for us will be on yesterday when you guys are listening to this on uh, Thursday, the 23rd of April here. Yeah, and as a as an avid sports fan uh, as well, I'm just I'm aching for any type of sports right now. So this definitely uh, quenched my thirst uh, for for wanting anything to do with sports. Um, and as you said, I'll be looking forward to the draft tomorrow uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I've I've always been a huge fan of you know ESPN's you know Thirty for Thirty you know docu series, and um, I feel like this one just kind of you know just breaks the mold with uh, it's it it's um, uh, subject matter. It, uh, it is just really fascinating to see, you know, a side of Michael Jordan that you don't get to see arguably the greatest athlete in, in the history of sports. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching, you know, the, the whole series play out. Um, what about the caliber of interviewees they had on there? They had two former presidents and they had something like funny that kind of came up and went viral is they said that Bill Clinton was a former uh, Arkansas governor and they put Barack Obama as a former uh, Chicago resident as his title when it popped up. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so far they've been getting some good content and, you know, uh, players that I didn't think would, you know, talk a lot to the camera, you know, notably like Rodman and, you know, Pippen, you know, and they're, you know, kind of, you know, given their side of, you know, everything that went down. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating exercise and, um, I'm just, uh, I'll, I'll be watching every Sunday, uh, live <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and be wanting more. So, um, I, I know, uh, uh, a lot of people said that if this were, you know, 40 or 50 episodes, uh, they would watch it. So, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on that, on that wagon too. In, any sports content we can consume, uh, I'm all in. I, I didn't get so. to see a ton of other, um, horror stuff this week. Um, uh, just to touch briefly, I watched bad boys for life. It came out on 4k. I saw that in theaters too. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I'm a bad boys, uh, diehard kind of apologist uh and then i also checked out sonic the hedgehog too so glad to got around to both of those films yeah um bad boys was good um i i saw it in the in the theater uh i'm i'm still definitely more on uh, bad boys 2 as my favorite film in the in the series uh but uh you know this one was good uh i think will smith and martin lawrence are are starting to show their age a tad bit mm-hmm. uh, more more notably martin lawrence than will smith but uh absolutely but i mean it was it was it was fun i mean it, you you got what you wanted from a bad boys film lots of explosions lots of chases lots of uh, you know, funny one-liners from Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. So uh, I like yeah. how they changed it too. With the um, they had the younger crew part of the ammo team, and Will Smith tries to get into a club, which usually you see he rolls by, and these ladies are like, "We don't know you." And uh, one of the other younger guys vouches for him and calls him like his uncle or something, and he gets shown up and gets his pride hurt. So the way they use that, their age, and kind of how they're not the same people that they were is definitely funny and interesting yeah. way to do it. Yeah, I mean, but at this point, you just have to poke fun at at your age when you're not as young as you used to be, you <laughs> know, uh, you know, Mel Gibson and, you know, Danny Glover always made, you know, jokes about their age and all the later lethal weapon movies, you know, how they're <laughs> too old for this shit and, and all that. So I think, you know, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are just kind of following in, in, in that regard. But, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, I saw it with my daughter, uh, when it came out in theaters as well. And I was very, um, uh, surprised by that film i didn't expect anything from it and it actually ended up being a lot of fun um and i know that you know we're you know children of the 90s and 
So, you know, growing up playing, you know, the original Sega Genesis and all the original Nintendo and Super Nintendo. So, you know, we grew up with these video game characters, you know, Sonic and Mario and all of them. And, um, you know, I, you know, first thing I thought of when, you know, they announced this film was that, uh, you know, this film was about 20 years too late. Like, you know, is there really even like, you know, a want for, you know, a, you know, video game movie you know, of a, of a character from the nineties, but you know, uh, I was wrong and it, it was actually yeah. pretty, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I was, I was entertained and, you know, had some fun moments and, uh, and my daughter loved it. So, uh, yeah, color me impressed. I know. I think they did a good job balancing it. Like if you had played the video games, they had moments where you'd be like, Oh, the, I know that, or that's cool. But they didn't rely on him being like a, like a, you know, super, super powerful being. He just was kind of like, you know, a, a funny guy that didn't know where he fit in a little animal trying to have things work. And I think if you didn't even know anything about the video game, you can enjoy the film for, for what it is. So that was yeah. a good use to kind of placate to the fans, but also make it accessible to, I guess, kids who it's aimed at who weren't even born when the game came out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was very successful at the box office. So now I'm waiting for, you know, all the dominoes to fall with, you know, all the other video game characters. Like I, I guarantee you a super Mario movie will, will definitely happen now. Uh, and, and the less we talk about the nineties super Mario brothers movie, uh, <laughs> the absolute better, Agreed. Um, terrible, terrible. Um, you know, one of the worst video game adaptions, uh, ever. And it's a shame because he's obviously the, you know, most well-known video game character of all time. Uh, and and so there's waiting. a lot of bad video game movies. <laughs> yeah, there definitely are. Uh, Uwe Boll uh, is is the grandfather of video game movies. And, and I think we should do an episode about uh, horrible video game movies sometime. I would love to do that. I'm um, into that. I can throw some horror ones in there, too, with all of the uh, Resident Evils, House of the Dead, all that good stuff. Yeah, Alone in the Dark, uh, Blood Rain, all that, all that good stuff would be good for sure. Um, well, I uh, I actually did get to watch uh, some some horror recently uh, since our last uh, recording. Uh, I, I kind of ran through uh, most of the Texas Chainsaw series. Um, watching the O3 remake uh, for our episode last time kind of got me wanting to uh, revisit the series. So I watched uh, one through four uh, of the original series uh, as well as the sequel to the remake, uh, Texas Chainsaw, uh, the beginning. And, um, you know, I've, I've definitely not been as big of a fan of the, uh, Chainsaw series as I have been others, you know, Halloween, you know, Elm Street, you know, Friday the 13th. But, uh, you know, every time I, I sit down and actually watch them again, you know, for the first time in a while, uh, I, I do forget how much I, I do enjoy them. Um, some definitely more than others. Um, you know, I actually, put on my Instagram just how just insane Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is. Um, and I'd only seen it, uh, I think, twice before. And just sitting down and watching it again late at night and and just seeing just the the coked up roller coaster <laughs> that it all that, that it is. Yeah. Um, just a, a a fun time to be had, but uh, just so crazy. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, you know, what more I, I can say about it other than, you know, Toby Hooper and that crew were uh, on a lot of drugs <laughs> at the time that that movie was made. I believe that. The funny thing about those films is I feel like you can just pick up anyone and watch it, the chronological order. To me, at least, when I recently watched it, it doesn't really matter at all. Some of them are like, you know, rehashes of it. Some of them are just similar stories happening before or after other movies. So um, that's kind of a fun thing is you can just pick up one and you don't really have to see it in the previous ones to know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're 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 mostly self-contained and and, and yeah, th that series doesn't have um a ton of continuity uh involved in it. Um so yeah, you can pick up two or three and and kind of uh, enjoy yourself and not have to, you know, revisit the series, you know, like your Halloweens and, you know, Friday the 13th, but uh but yeah, um that's <laughs> some not so good parts. Um I had only seen uh Texas Chainsaw the Next Generation once. Uh, back in high school, and uh, I should have learned my lesson. Um, God, so bad. Um, you know, that's I'd, the one with Matthew McConaughey, right? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey and um, Renee Zellweger's. Uh, I think one of their first movies uh, for for both of them. 
Um, you know, Matthew McConaughey definitely has that, you know, maniacal, you know, fun redneck side, but, um, and he, he definitely does his best to save the film, but, um, I mean, just everything from, you know, the way they characterize Leatherface to just some of the acting and, and just, you know, everything involved is just, you know, pretty, pretty piss poor, um, in, in, in my opinion. And you know they're not proud of that one because uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray came out and the initial artwork had both of their names and likenesses on it. And they had to release an announcement like, hey, you know, we can't actually have their likeness on it anymore. So they had to change change up the cover. So either their lawyers or their PR reps caught wind of that and wanted to not promote <laughs> their likeness with that film for the new re-release of the Blu-ray. Well, I mean, I, I can't say that I blame them. I mean, you know, that's just such a trash movie and, you know... it. I, I know that, you know, actors have to have their start somewhere, but um, that doesn't, you know, mean that, that they have to promote, you know, that trash, you know, <laughs> almost almost 30 years later. But, uh, yeah, not good. Um, and then uh, a couple other things I watched. Uh, I got to catch Brightburn. Um, I, I hadn't seen it in, in theaters and, and while it, it had been released a while, so I finally got to watch that. Um, have you seen Brightburn? Yeah, I have. I, I caught it late too. I got the uh, 4K disc. I think when it was on sale for either uh, Black Friday or something like that. So I recently checked it out. Yeah, and you know the the concept I, I thought was very inventive and and you know and you know a a pretty cool storyline. You know about the whole you know what if Superman turned evil thing. Um, and most of the time, I'm 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 the type of person where you know less is more and. You know, you don't have to just go into great depth, you know, on a concept or story. But honestly, I, I enjoyed Brightburn for what it was. But I, I also think they could have gone into the mythos of just, you know, everything they were throwing at you a little bit more. I kind of felt like there were a lot of wasted moments and a lot of wasted uh, talent, uh, especially with like um, Elizabeth Banks in the film. And, yeah. you know, and I... I don't know. I thought they just could have done a lot more with like his powers, you know, what he was going through, you know, that internal struggle um, and just, you know, his kind of interaction with, you know, maybe his friends or family. Um, I don't know. It, it didn't quite land how uh, I, I thought it could, but I mean, for the most part, it was a it was a decent watch for sure. Yeah, I love the gore uh, and the effects. Some of the like what the fuck moments were happening in that. Like, um, there's one scene with a truck and a family member, and when that happens, I was you're just like shocked how far they how far they go on some of them. So that was that was neat to not have any uh, punches pulled with the young uh, superhero going the the wrong way towards the supervillain side instead of being good like Superman was. So. Um, I like that. I think James Gunn obviously had some influence on it. I think uh, yeah. his brother, his brothers wrote it. So there's some good stuff with it, but I'm with you overall. There's tons of filler, tons of pointless like scenes or the family's arguing or, you know, they like, it's very obvious he's fucked up and they will not uh, understand it or agree to it. Like crazy stuff is happening and they're like, no, no, it's not him. Everything's fine. <laughs> so I'm kind of yeah. with you there. So it could have uh, been cleaned up a little bit and maybe had some more potential, but um, you know, it didn't enjoyable yeah for sure um and the last thing i watched recently uh i got to watch uh the original pet cemetery um because cole uh our our other co-host who who joins us on on most of our episodes uh has begged me to check out the remake so uh i figured i'd uh check out the original before i uh hopped onto the remake but uh (laughs) yeah still still very very uh effective uh just a very moody and just atmospheric uh you know, film. I, I remember watching it, I think when I was about 11 or 12 and just being, uh, just so creeped out, um, by, uh, you know, little Gage Creed and, um, and then also, uh, I, I, I forget the character's name, but her, I, I guess her, uh, Zelda. Her sickly, yeah. Her, her sickly sister, Zelda, uh, that scene in the bedroom, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> at the end of the film, just, you know, it, it just makes my skin crawl just every time I, 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 I see that scene. Um, Great atmosphere in that movie, too. It's nice just to throw on for fall or Halloween time. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I said on a, on a recent post on my Instagram, I know a lot of Stephen King adaptions are, you know, uh, very hit or miss. Um, but I feel like this one uh, is, is definitely one of the better ones um, 
for sure. Um, I know that King himself has actually come out and, and said that he considers this story to be his his most frightening. Um, so I think that kind of speaks for something when the author, you know, says that, you know, one of his stories is is definitely the most chilling of anything he's written. So, um, but yeah, I can't wait to uh, watch the remake. Um, I already know that um, John Lithgow won't be able to match uh, Fred Gwynn's uh, Judd Crandall. I'm just getting that, you yep. know, already set up in my mind. Um, that character is just, is, is such gold in that movie. And I love it every time he's on screen. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for, you know, to be disappointed in, in that regard. But um, I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard the new one does a lot of things. Well, uh, doesn't quite live up to the original, but I'm looking forward to check it out. I'll probably be uh, talking about it um, on our, on our next recording for sure. Awesome. Um, the only other thing I caught up with is there's a new documentary um, kind of a mashup film coming out from Danny Wolf. It's three volumes. It's about cult films. It's called uh, Time Warp, the greatest cult films of all time, volume one, two, and three. First one is just uh, Midnight Madness, kind of straight cult films. Then there's horror and sci-fi. And then the last uh, volume is Comedy and Camp. So uh, I'm skipping through to the horror and sci-fi one. And it's actually really well made and really cool. I have a ton of uh, people on there. It's hosted by John Waters, Joe Dante. Uh, they have Jeff Goldblum, have Malcolm McDowell, Bruce Campbell, Roger Corman, um, had Rob Zombie on there, had some old interviews with uh, Ken Foray and... Um, also, George A. Romero on there, so featuring a ton of cool stuff. So that should be out uh, coming up in May here, the second volume. So that's one to look out for, too. Yeah, very cool. I, I love me some hard docs, um, so I will, I will definitely check it out as well. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, let's get into uh, our episode subject at hand. Um, we reviewed uh, a couple of uh, recent releases on either streaming platforms or you know physical releases so uh, we're going to run through a couple of those tonight um first one we have on deck uh is uh 2020's underwater uh and this is directed by uh, william eubank and stars uh kristen stewart and vincent castle um so this film was released uh just a couple months ago in uh, january and I know that January, you know, is kind of the, you know, uh, dumpster for uh, for for film releases. Uh, a lot of big budget uh, studios, you know, release uh, a lot of their uh, underappreciated or kind of just watered down, uh, you know, releases that you know wouldn't get a lot of love uh, in in any other month. Um, and uh, I I think this film was kind of you know that kind of thinking just. Uh, you know, didn't have a lot going for it. I know that it was originally record, uh, uh, filmed in uh, 2017, uh, and it kind of sat on the shelf for about two or three years. Um, finally, got released in January. Um, but yeah, storyline's pretty, you know, pretty simple and you know by the numbers. A uh, group of scientists is uh, working at this uh, underwater facility uh, that's in the uh, Mariana Trench, which is you know the lowest point uh, of the ocean floor, um, and then. Uh, you know, right from the start, um, just crazy things start to happen. Um, you know, uh, they think it's an earthquake or, you know, some type of disturbance and, you know, the place starts, you know, caving in on them. Uh, a group of survivors is, you know, trying to make their way, you know, through the facility to, you know, get to safety, uh, all the while, uh, having to worry about not only, uh, running out of oxygen, but, uh, there's some, uh, strange creatures, uh, around kind of stalking them as well. Um, but yeah, um, Kristen Stewart kind of leads the cast. Uh, she's you know kind of the one that we follow the most, um, as well as uh, the captain um, of the scientist, uh, played by Vincent Cassell, um, T.J. Miller, and uh, Jessica Henwick also round out the cast uh, for a little bit of comedic relief. But uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't have great expectations uh, going into the film. I. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Kristen Stewart. I think her her acting is a little wooden and a little uh, uninspired. So um, you know, January release combined with um, you know Kristen Stewart at the helm, I really wasn't uh, that excited for this. But uh, it kind of grew on me. Um, you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, you know, and uh, you know, 
was kind of pleasantly surprised by it. Um, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, the that's the nice thing when you kind of uh, catch the buzz before and it's negative. You can kind of go in with lower expectations and make your viewing more enjoyable. Um, I actually watched this one right at the beginning of February, probably when it was in theaters um, last, one of the last few movies I was able to see in theaters. And I don't know if it was kind of seeing it in that environment or what, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, like you said, low expectations going in, so I was pleasantly surprised with it. Uh, it looks like it did kind of was a box office bomb, so that's kind of the one thing about the dumping grounds. It's Sometimes they think it's a bad movie. Other times it's just about money where it's like our budget is this and the you know box office numbers are not going to be there. So with this one, obviously, it had a budget of 50 to $80 million and it made $40 million, so um, definitely not successful there. Looks like overall critics' ratings are... Uh, Rotten Tomato 48 with audience score of 60. So, you know, average. But for me, um, I enjoyed it. The one thing I don't like about the how critics compare sci-fi movies is they always compare it to Alien with sci-fi horror films, especially when there's a female lead. So this is like, oh, it's aquatic alien, but it's not as good. It's like, no shit. I mean... <clears throat> You're comparing it to the best sci-fi horror movie of all time, and just because something is in space or in the sea or futuristic doesn't mean it's a you know a, a copy a copy of that. So um, for me, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I probably give it six or seven out of ten. But the time I had watching it was fun. I'd love the kind of Mariana Trench where you're seven miles below, so it is almost like you're almost in space. Um, kind of seeing how the crew goes across the bottom of the floor. Like you said, the comic relief was good. There were some creepy moments and the ending is just straight bananas. That, that kind of brought it over the top for me, especially in the theaters, like with the bass rumbling and shaking and all of the, the monsters and all the effects that were going on. So um, I enjoyed it. 95 minute runtime definitely helped kind of get in, get out. My favorite part was the story. They didn't worry about all that stupid 20 minute backstory you have like, Oh, who's TJ Miller? What does he do? Oh, Kristen Stewart has had a boyfriend or this person. It's They just drop you right into it five minutes in and you learn about the characters as you go on. You don't need to have all of this you know, uh, extra filler where we get to learn about everyone when their characters' backstories don't really matter in the, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. It's a creature feature underwater, uh, sci-fi, you know, action horror. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that I, I wrote down is, you know, it immediately just without any warning throws you, you know, into the madness. Uh, you barely have uh, three or four minutes, you know, with Kristen Stewart before, you know, things start going wrong. Um, and I, I, I do like that, you know, because a lot of films, you know, kind of have to set up everything, you know, kind of have to go through, you know, some, some, some exposition to get ultimately where, you know, they're going to be for the majority of the film. But you know, like you said, this film just throws all that out the window and just, you know, ready or not, it's starting and, you know, get ready for the ride. Um, so th that's something that I do enjoy about it. Um, and, you know, like you said, and and I do this, you know, with a lot of these types of movies, you know, I, I do compare them to a lot of films that, you know, have done it before, um, you know, notably, you know, for this film, Aliens, um, um um, the abyss and, and, and like deep blue sea. Uh, yep. The are, Meg are, a little bit. Yeah. Some Pacific yeah. Rim in there. <laughs> exactly. And you know, I, I kind of feel like all these movies kind of take stuff, you know, from each other, you know, and, and I feel like it's kind of, um, you know, normal for, for us, you know, when a new movie like this is released to always say, Oh, well that movie took that from the abyss or that movie took that from alien. But you know, um, you just kind of have to take stuff like that with a grain of salt and just realize that um, we all can't be the, the aliens, you know, of our, of our genre. Um, and I don't think this movie's trying to be uh, either, but um, you know, I, I think it, it does a fairly good job of, you know, combining those elements of a, you know, kind of um, um, survival, you know, disaster type film, you know, and blending that with a creature feature type type film. Um, I do think that some of the underwater and kind of action creature scenes uh, were a little hard to follow at times. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of the camera work was was muddled and you know didn't didn't quite know exactly what was happening uh, at at certain times. Uh, a lot of you know very shaky camera work and a lot of um, you know gloom uh, underneath the water, which I mean. Part of it is kind of what they were going for, I think. But yeah. Uh, but I also just kind of couldn't 
couldn't follow it very well uh, at some points either. Yeah, they tried the. I mean, the plot is like simple, like you said. It's kind of like an earthquake, unknown thing destroys one of the underwater facilities, and they have to, you know, go on the on the ground at sea, um, at the bottom of the ocean, seven miles deep, and walk out, which no one's done for longer than just a few minutes before, and they have to go like a mile or two down to another area to try to get some escape pods. So it's a pretty straightforward story. But like you said, when you're out and about, you don't really know where are they, what's happening, especially when um, Kristen Stewart and other character get kind of tossed up and get lost. And you're like, well, where are they and how'd they meet up with them? But you know, like you said, it's just a pretty simple storyline and it did get muddled a bit with the, uh, the execution, but yeah. And, and honestly, I, I felt it could have, you know, gotten way more, you know, suspenseful, you know, with the, you know, underwater elements and that, and the creatures like, you know, for a, you know, a, a similar film that, you know, I talked about on the first episode, uh, they were recorded. Uh, I feel like the descent, uh, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a similar, you know, survival type, you know, film, you know, with, you know, crazy creatures mixed in that I think, you know, definitely does, uh, with the elements a lot better than what this film does. Uh, I think it kind of works on the claustrophobia and just the, you know, just no escape, uh, you know, elements of that, of that genre a whole lot better uh, yep. than, than, you know, underwater does. So I, I, I definitely think they could have done more with it, but, um, you know, for the most part, it, 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 it does what it wants to do. Um, and something that you kind of mentioned, uh, that, you know, we don't get a lot of, you know, backstory or really anything, um, you know, regarding the characters. And I kind of don't like that. I, I wanted, um, to have uh, a little bit more, um, of an emotional connection, um, you know, to some of these characters. I felt like they were very, you know, one dimensional and, you know, I wanted some insight into, you know, their, their outside relationships and their relationships, you know, with each other. And I just, you know, I, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Um, Th- they know. tried to fill it in too, and it did kind of confused it more. You're like, does this person have a daughter or not? Are they going crazy? Who, who's like, are these couples dating? So you're right. You could have probably helped fill in some of the continuity and stories. I'm not sure they did not shoot that stuff and it just got cut out to be honest. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a 90 minute runtime. So I, I assume, you know, all of that was filmed, but I, I think the studio, you know, with the January release date, it was kind of just like, cut it down, release it. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, just very briefly, it mentions, you know, Kristen Stewart's, uh, you know, fiance that, you know, she's no longer with. And I, I almost had to rewind it to catch it. Cause I was like, wait, she has a fiance. Like she had a husband, like, you know, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's yeah. an almost blanket and, and you'll miss it type moment. Yep. And, and I almost feel like, you know, they could have done a better job with that. Um, you know, because in, in movies like this, you know, you want to root for these people, but if you don't have an emotional connection to them, it's kind of hard to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, I, I wanted a little more out of that. Um, and I didn't get it, which is fine. Um, you know, some movies don't need, you know, all the, you know, exposition leading up to, you know, the film, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was sorely lacking, um, in, in the film itself. But, um, uh, couple other things I, I did like the design uh, of the creatures I thought it was pretty uh, pretty effective and pretty scary uh, especially with the large creature at the end uh, the director uh, did confirm uh, that that um, was basically uh, the HP Lovecraft creature um, of Cthulhu uh, which yep. uh, I know a lot of horror fans are are, are into um, who hasn't really been on screen that much uh, you know surprisingly no but uh, yeah, you need really a big like, budget to do it. <laughs> it. Exactly. You need to do it right. And I feel like a lot of people would be in an uproar if, if, if they didn't treat it right. But uh, yeah, super, uh, super effective. And I, I definitely like the design uh, of that just humongous creature. You know, you, you really don't think that there's any way that she's going to escape at the end. And, um, and it, it definitely does create a lot of dread, um, you know, in that end sequence, um, you know, which I really like. Did you see who did the uh, score? Uh, Marco Beltrami. Yeah, Scream. It's yeah. A couple uh, Academy Award noms, too, for 310 to Yuma and Hurt Locker. I, I did um, notice that because it was a pretty uh, effective score, kind of helped for some of the dull moments to increase tension. Yeah, I've always I've always liked Marco Beltrami. Um, you know, 
I, I guess going back to Scream and um, what else did he do? He did a couple of the uh, Resident Evil. He Evils. did Quiet Place. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Logan. He did uh, like one of the Terminators, I think. And uh, I mean, so he's been he's been pretty busy uh, mm-hmm. over over the last few years. But uh, some but 90s yeah. stuff too, Mimic and the Faculty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, a little, also a bit of uh, trivia. This uh, this film is actually the last film to uh, be released under the uh, 20th Century Fox uh, banner. Um, you know, now that Disney owns Fox, uh, I guess they're 20th Century uh, Entertainment now instead of 20th Century Fox. So, um, <laughs> and I know this is kind of of, of silly, but I, I I hope that that Disney keeps. You know the you know Fox fanfare that you know comes along with you know it's you know 20th century films. I feel like that that intro um, you know and and kind of uh, you know studio reveal is iconic. And I I I, do I, I think they, they will. Out. I think I saw one of the previews for the upcoming movies. It's 20th century studios now, and they just cut off uh, they just cut off Fox and, um, and and add studios on the end. And I think they did the same for their Searchlight. They just made it searchlight pictures instead of a uh, Fox searchlight. So, and like, <laughs> I know this is really random, but like, like for uh, you know, for instance, on the new Star Wars films, like I was so used to you know for the first six entries hearing the Fox fanfare immediately go into you know like the you know Lucas you know entertainment and then yeah. then immediately go into in, into the you know the Star Wars crawl. And when I didn't get that in the in the new movies. I don't know. It, it almost felt like something was missing to a point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that's just me, you know, rambling on about uh, my my want for them to, you know, keep that. But uh, but yeah, um, as far as underwater goes, um, I I really expected to you know absolutely hate it. Um, but uh, I definitely didn't hate it. But I definitely you know didn't like it as well. Uh, I I thought it was you know definitely. Uh, very mediocre, you know, for what it was, but, uh, you know, Kristen Stewart, who I usually can't stand, um, you know, definitely wasn't as bad as, as, as she is in, in, in certain things. And, you know, I kind of dug her performance. So, um, all in all, uh, I feel like a lot of films, you know, in, in this vein have done it a lot better, but also, uh, it, it could have definitely been a lot worse. So, you know, if, if, if I were to rate it, I'd rate it in kind of the, five or six uh out of ten rating uh for me Plus, personally. But we got nothing to watch, so definitely I think worth the worth the rental to horror fans who are trying to maybe catch something new or have already gone through all of the streaming platforms like Netflix or uh Amazon Prime. I think it's definitely worth the rental. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're if you're bored on a on a random uh Friday, Saturday night and you know dig uh you know creature features i i I think that you can definitely do worse um so definitely give it a watch for sure and the next film we're going to be doing a feature review on is the platform which hit netflix towards the end of march here um i actually wanted to see this one earlier it popped up it was kind of like right on the top of the netflix banner when you pull up and um, I'd ignored it for a while until I started seeing it kind of blow up on my social media. It was on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everyone kind of saying it was like a, a little surprise, a, a nice little horror gem. So um, when I checked it out this last week, it's a Spanish sci-fi dystopian horror film is the best way that I would kind of classify it. Um, the story does a not so subtle dig at class commentary, trickle down economics, gluttony, a number of other things you probably, um, gleam from the messages, but as a directorial debut, it's impressive. We start with two people who are on floor 33 and it's a prison and there's a big hole in the center of the prison cell and you can kind of see up and down. It goes on for what looks like forever. And the thing that I liked about this film is we come with a lead character named Gornig and he wakes up, he kind of is learning what's happening and us as the audience also don't really know what's happening. So we kind of follow along with him as to what is actually going on. What, what's the point of the whole, um, how is it going to happen? And my favorite character is the character that he's housed with, whose name is, uh, Trimagasi. 
he's such a funny character. He has this great backstory of how he kind of got in there and, and what he brought with him with being a big fan of infomercials and knives and buying this best knife ever because it's supposed to never go dull. And then a new one came out that sharpens itself. And that's kind of how he ended up in, in prison and his little uh, item that he decided to bring with him, but just a great character overall. But as we go along with them, we learn that the hole is a space for a platform and it starts on floor one um, with a huge smorgasbord of food. It's probably enough food to feed, you know, maybe a hundred people. Probably, uh, I guess the point of the movie is it's enough to feed the whole platform and everyone who's in this tall prison environment if they portion it properly. But what happens is as soon as it goes down to floor two, where there's two tenants, they just gorge completely. They eat everything. They fuck everything up. They knock stuff over. And it's pretty much what happens is those above you are better than you and those below you are worse than you. So as we see the main character learn from Trimagasi, he kind of spits on the food. You know, he pisses down below at one point. It's just ultimate disrespect for people who um, who are below you. But um, we kind of go through the story. They start switching floors uh, every month. They gas you and move you to another floor. If you're on floor two through 25, you're golden. You're going to get some food. If you're on floor 26 to, I won't say how low it goes, you are kind of left for scraps fending for yourself and trying to figure out another way to survive for those 30 days and hope for a higher floor in your future to kind of revitalize yourself. So I thought it was a really cool concept. Start, it was a bit slow at times, um, but I really enjoyed the characters and the twists and turns as we go on with them. Um, I will say for me, the ending was a little bit of a letdown, but I did kind of enjoy the ride as we went along with these characters and definitely think it's worth a watch. Um, it is in Spanish, I believe, but the primary way if you click on, on Netflix is English dubbed, which wasn't too bad for me and I didn't mind at all. Um, what'd you think about this movie? Yeah. Um, you know, definitely piggybacking on, you know, a a lot of you, a, a lot of what you said, um, um, I definitely appreciated, you know, the metaphors, you know, about, you know, society and, you know, classism and, you know, I'll, although it, it, it ends up kind of being a little heavy handed with it at, at times, it kind of beats you over the head with it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the, the message about, you know, the upper class, you know, pretty much getting anything and everything, you know, they need and want, you know, while the lower class, you know, suffers and, you know, is, is left with, you know, everything that's left over, I thought, you know, was a pretty cool, uh, concept but uh and also it's it's kind of fitting during you know these times uh you know that we're going through right now uh i know that this film you know kind of had uh, a little bit um um, of a resurgence ever since the uh you know quarantine picked up that you know people should only take you know what they need absolutely uh, and you know leaving some for others but uh, as we've seen recently uh that's not uh how our society functions uh, when their backs are against the wall, which uh, I guess you can learn a little bit from this film as well. Um, you know, definitely liked uh, the um, claustrophobic feeling um, of the prison. Um, you know, definitely, you know, I mean, prison is, you know, scary, you know, regardless of, you know, where it is. But, you know, when it's put into, you know, this type of film, you know, with the, you know, with the long hole and, you know, you can see other prisoners, you know, down below for, you know, for, you know, um, you know, forever, it seems it just, it's a, it's a very claustrophobic and, you know, very, uh, just uneasy feeling, um, you know, pretty much that, you know, reverberates for the entire movie. Um, I also don't know that if, uh, if, if you noticed it or not, but every time the, uh, platform of food, uh, would appear, there'd be this big swell of, uh, you know, the sound or, you know, music would, you know, come on every time the platform, you know, of, of food came on. And it just, it, it got me almost every single time. It, it's a very unsettling sound uh, that would pop up every time that platform would, uh, you know, would come down, you know, for the yeah. characters that we were following at, at any given time. So I uh, definitely thought that that was um, uh, super um, uh, effective, um, you know, whenever they would do that. But uh, yeah, when I was watching it, I really had no idea where the film was going. Uh, I, I kept expecting you know, one thing to happen, but then it would go off in a completely different direction. And, you know, it was, it was really hard to watch at some points. Um, yeah. Just very, very, you know, um, you know, sadistic and, and brutal, but, you know, I, I think that's what the filmmakers were going for that, you know, they really wanted to, you know, prove that, 
you know, these people are just being absolutely left for dead. And it just, it really kind of shocked me that, you know, when we found out that, you know, our main character that we follow, you know, for the entire film, you know, went in there voluntarily. Like he, he, he did it strictly to get, I, I think, uh, it was a, um, um, a degree, I think it yeah. is, 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 is what he wanted to do, but yep. yeah, it, it just, it, it goes to show you just how, how far people will go just to get ahead in their, in their, you know, in their lives. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of sad that that's what it came down to, uh, you know, for Gornig that he had to, you know, resort to, you know, being in this hell for, you know, six months just to try to get a better life. Um, you know, definitely is some heavy stuff, but, uh, yeah. Um, I, I definitely would have liked, uh, a little bit more, um, you know, uh, a little more backstory, I guess, um, on, uh, the, um, administration, I guess is what they call, uh, whoever runs that prison. Uh, I, I, I think they could have gone a, a little deeper into, you know, what, what brought this about. I, mm-hmm. I know that oh, I would have liked that too. Totally. Cause you could see, I think they talk about it. They have one, uh, one lady who's part of it who, who appears and he, um, Gornig's roommate, the first one or cellmate says at the beginning that he was either, um, an insane asylum or this. So it was almost like an alternative for jail. Uh, but they, right. They had a right backstory there where you could have kind of, um, I guess expanded on it and gotten some cool other outside stories or info about why it was created or what's going on. Yeah. And you know, I know movies like this don't necessarily, you know, want to, you know, explore anything and everything, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of up to the audience to decide sometimes as well, but, but yeah, I would have liked a little bit more on, you know, how did we get to this, you know, severely fucked up, you know, future that we have and, you know, a, a little bit on, you know, why certain people are in there and, you know, what happens to them when they get out and, you know, all that. But, you know, I, I, I knew that that wasn't the point of this film, but it would have been nice uh, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't really get or care for the ending. Uh, I, I thought it was very bleak and, and very kind of just, uh, you know, fuzzy at, at the end. And, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't really quite know what to make of it. Um, well, what did you make of the ending? I didn't know if maybe it was cultural. I mean, I know they, they had set out to, to send a message one way and that hadn't worked out. So they decided to send it this, this, I guess, secondary way. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was my least favorite part was the ending. I was all around for the ride and trying to figure out what happened. And I mean, they could have honestly just ended with a bleak ending about, you know, something happening and it going screen going black with a you know, horrible event. So it's kind of odd leaving it hanging with uh, the way that it did. I was, wasn't sure it was going to be over at that point, but I kind of figured with the short runtime, it was coming up on the on the finale. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I. <laughs> you really don't see films like this come out very often. Like the only thing I can really compare it to is like cube, um, you know, that came out like in the mid nineties, just that very, you know, stuck in this, you know, claustrophobic, just, you know, cell. Um, and, and I don't know, I've always been pretty uh, affected by, you know, uh, movies that, you know, kind of trap, uh, you know, their characters. I, I, I'm a little claustrophobic myself, so it kind of does, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a button you can push on me. Um, so definitely all the imagery that they used and, you know, um, everything that they went for uh, with that prison was, you know, super effective to watch. I think what you said is definitely accurate, though, about the heavy hand. And this is a particular scene where he wakes up on a higher floor and his cellmate is a is a black guy and he tries to throw up a rope to get to get up or to climb up is obviously metaphor, duh, but he's trying to escape at the top because he thinks that's where he's able to get out. And the guy grabs the rope and shits on his face and he falls and dies, I think, or falls down and loses his rope. And it's just like, come on, we, we get it. So there's scenes like that. But what I really liked is that when the main character was going into it, he had to fill out this card. It's like, do you have any food allergies? What's your preference? What's your favorite meal? And he's like, Oh cool. That's awesome. 
So what they find out is this kitchen at the very top of the building is making gourmet meals with all of their requests, but they just don't give a damn who eats it or where it ends up. So I think the main character put like escargot as his, his favorite meal. And like, obviously he's never going to have a shot at getting it unless he's at the very top. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit for it. And <laughs> was cracking me up when I first saw the beginning of where you're kind of learning what the platform is and the main character just kneels on his pillow and starts eating through like disgusting, like eating over chicken bones and drinking like backwash wine. So uh, like I said, I did enjoy the journey. Uh, you know, ending could have been different, but they were going for something specific. And yeah, I think the the ride is, is worth the watch. Yeah, it, it, it was funny when they cared enough to ask, you know, for their food allergies and, and you know, food preferences. But obviously, once they get in there, like none of that matters anymore. And 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 you're right. Like, you know, when he you know, when we first, you know, stumble on, you know, the you know characters of the film, he's very, you know, you know, very civil you know, very much keeps, you know, who he was on the outside. Like, I'm not going to be an animal in here. Um, and, you know, his his cellmate has been there a while and, you know, kind of knows the ins and outs of, you know, how everything works. And, and, and just to watch him go to town on that food and how, you know, he just kind of stares at him in, you know, complete disgust. Um, but then how, as, as the film progresses and how he goes from month to month, uh, and just the experiences that he goes through, how he kind of turns into, uh, you know, his his cellmate that he originally, you know, looked at, you know, with disgust. So, um, yeah, definitely appreciated the the journey and how just, you know, a, a place like that can just break you. Uh, it can just absolutely just you know, destroy your humanity. And um, and yeah, it was it was super effective. Um, and uh, I don't know if you caught this, but uh there were 333 floors uh, in that prison and uh, two people per floor. So, uh, huh. which gets to uh, 666, which is uh, a little, a little nod <laughs> as well. Yeah, that, that was funny. I remember what a gut punch it was when he woke up on like, when they were on floor 36 and they're picking bare bones and he ends up on like, you know, two two oh two or something. And you're just like, Oh God, it's mean nothing for him. So, um, they didn't catch the six, six, six though. So that's interesting. And I wonder if floor one is actually the ground floor and we are descending into, uh, to hell perhaps who knows. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, that that's pretty much what they were going for is, you know, that, that place, you know, does symbolize hell and how, you know, everyone is just for themselves and, you know, basically just, you know, destroying each other. And, uh, you know, I, I think the film does a good job of, you know, kind of portraying that, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I enjoyed the film. Um, you know, definitely, I don't know if I could rewatch it again. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a hard watch, uh, to, to put on, but, uh, you know, um, I enjoyed the message. I enjoyed, you know, how it made me feel, uh, even though it made me feel like shit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoyed, you know, just, you know, what they were trying to tell us. And, um, I, I think it worked. So, um, you know, did, I, I, I might revisit it one day, but, uh, you know, I won't be clamoring to, you know, rewatch it again for sure. No, it would be interesting knowing the, the ending and what actually is going on when you check it out for a second, but very, uh, well-reviewed movie and pulled it up on IMBD. It's got a seven, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, for the critics and a 70% audience score, 73% on Metacritic. So it seems like it's getting a overall praise i know it debuted at the um at tiff and it won the people's choice award for midnight madness back in 2019 and that's where it got the deal with netflix so i'm always happy netflix is putting out stuff like this buying stuff like this keeping things interesting especially um during these times where we need it i mean buy anything and everything i'm down to watch it all yeah absolutely and you know there's no telling when we're actually going to get a full-blown you know theater release so um, it's good to watch, you know, a few of these, you know, films that kind of fall through the cracks and, you know, get some exposure, you know, through your Netflix and, you know, primes and, you know, all that good stuff. So I'll be more than willing to watch it as long as they keep cranking it out. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate everyone uh, for joining us tonight, uh, you know, on kind of a lean mean episode that we had, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we're always looking, uh, you know, for suggestions and recommendations. So if there's anything that you guys want us to cover, um, you know, definitely, you know, shoot us a message or, you know, write on one of our posts, um, 
you know, you can uh, find me on Instagram at the.shape.1978. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, if you want to see anything uh, covered or, you know, there's a certain type of genre that, you know, in, in the, in the horror genre that you want us to cover, um, you know, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, reach out and, uh, and, and let your opinion be known. Um, Max, where can they find you? Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, you can find me and the podcast, um, on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, my personal one is at screaming cinema on Twitter and Instagram. And the podcast is scream cinema pod on Twitter and Instagram. But I think we have some cool stuff coming up, some good ideas to kill some time until we get some theater releases, maybe some, um, you know, summer films, maybe some shark attacks films. I'd love to do a listener picks episode where we can get some suggestions and maybe put a, put a poll up for the listeners to choose a movie or two to kind of do a feature review on or, um, do a review to start something off. So absolutely appreciate input. Uh, make sure to, um, like uh, rate review. If you subscribe on uh, Apple podcasts, check us out on Spotify. We pretty much have it going out to anything. So you should be able to find us anywhere, but obviously appreciate the support and hope to continue things rolling here through this summer. All right, guys. Uh, well, until next time, uh, stay safe and we will talk to you again soon.